Hey, everybody. It is Misty Coper, and I am here with Dr. Elena. We are Dazzle Doctor, and we are here in the new year, 2021. Excited to talk to you about today's topic, which is exercise and fitness. It's a new year. We've all got resolutions, and we're excited. Hi, Dr. Elena. Hi, Misty. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. So <laughs> tell me, I know you told me that you went out and saw the Christmas star. What else yes. did you do for the holidays and to celebrate the new year? Yes, I took my my two kids out and we looked at the Christmas star and or the Bethlehem star, whatever nomenclature you want to use for it. My kids were a little underwhelmed, which was just quite hilarious because they thought I think they were expecting a big like fireworks light show happening in the sky. That was not what happened, but it was still interesting. It was still very serene to watch. So Christmas was pretty laid back. We didn't really do anything. Didn't have the the normal, I think we talked about this last time. We didn't have our normal big family dinner or anything like that, but the kids didn't, I don't think they really even noticed. So they were very excited about their, their Christmas. And then for new year's, same thing. We kind of hung around, watched movies and then like, I think it was one minute before the ball dropped. We were like, turn it on. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then by like 12.05, everybody was in bed. So <laughs> that was, that was the think, end of it. Yeah, I, I think it was that kind of year. I didn't go out. Like for Christmas, I did have some things we went out and did. It was nothing in, in years past. I live in near the D.C. area. Uh, Dr. Elena and I both live very close to the D.C. area. So uh, for me and my husband, a lot of times we would go into D.C., look at the national tree, look at, you know, it's so beautifully decorated. And there is really something about the monuments at night uh, at Christmas time. And uh, just during the holidays, they put up a menorah for Hanukkah. It's just really beautiful. There's um, Diwali celebrations down there and they just have all kinds of gorgeous beautiful um, decorations and and lights going on and people from everywhere. So uh, we really have always enjoyed that. And of course this year it was not something that we can, we can get into. So we mostly just stayed at home. We went, we did go to my husband's parents' house. So we got to see them and it, it was awkward because everybody wore masks and we did the elbow bumps. And I guess that must be a national thing. I kind of thought maybe my husband's family made it up, but now I'm noticing everybody is doing it. So I'm thinking I gave them credit for something that probably came from somewhere else. I don't know. I'm willing to think my father-in-law is just that cool. What else did we do? So that's what we did for Christmas. And then for New Year's, I actually had two doctor's appointments on New Year's Eve. Uh, since oh, we're fun. About chronic illness. Um, I had to get a hydration IV in the morning. So uh, my nurse actually came to me for that, which was great. And then at, right after that, I had to drive about an hour away. I should retract that, walk that back. My husband drove on my behalf, which was lovely because he was off work. He took me to a place called Lutherville, Maryland, which is where my immunologist is. And I get Zolaire shots out there every month because there's nobody closer who will give me Zillair shots. So I have to go out there once a month to get them. It's part of my ridiculous MAP-O-Care. Right. Um, Chronic illness never takes a holiday. So it never takes a holiday. (laughs) And it requires quite the, um, I don't know, quite the transportation, whatever, plan, schedule. Um, The other thing I did that I... 
I never really considered my best friend, Erica, you guys will probably hear me talk about her from time to time. She has a horse and she says that horses get their teeth loaded, which apparently means they get them filed down. So I had a, a dentist appointment, my routine, regular dentist appointment, and I kept it. Um, so just, I should say for everybody out there that dentist appointments are something, at least in Maryland, that they are recommending you only go to if it's an urgent need. I went because I have problems with my jaw. And I, I think a lot of people with Ehlers-Danlos specifically do have problems with their jaws. I've had problems with my jaw for a very long time. But uh, when my dentist got in there this time, he asked me if I had gone to, he had recommended that I go to an orthodontist. I went to the orthodontist that he recommended. And honestly, the, the orthodontist sort of, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He just didn't seem very invested in my care. And he, he said there was nothing really wrong with me and kind of just shooed me out the door. So when I went to the dentist this time, he said, did you go see this guy that I asked you to go see? I said, I did. And he said, hmm. So he took another look at my jaw and he said, it's just not sitting right. I, you know, and you, Dr. Elena, have certainly seen the evidence of that. You're always mm -hmm. putting my jaw back in place. So he said, what we're going to do is we're going to file down your teeth just, just a little tiny bit because they're not sitting together in the back. He said there were only two places where my teeth were even touching. So chewing my food wasn't efficient and I was grinding them in order to try to get the jaw to fit properly. Right. Did that and uh, my jaw does fit together better. It's not perfect. He said we'll continue to refine it over a period of time. Uh, I will say I can tell that it was done and it it's a little awkward. I still find myself trying to get used to it. It was done mm, four or five days ago now. Mm. I expect I'll probably still be getting used to it for a while, but... It was interesting. It was different. Uh, I liked it. I feel like it's already helped some of my tension headaches and my jaw does feel softer now where I always had kind of a hard jaw and, mm -hmm. and Dr. Langley, you know, I always had that like kind of musk muscle ball on both mm -hmm. sides of my jaw and it has softened some. So that's good. Yeah. So I'm hoping, you know, long-term that'll be a, a something that helps a bit. Mm -hmm. So I did that and, uh, I'd say the one thing that was kind of a downer for me, my brother and his family were supposed to visit and um, they didn't get to because mm. you know of the spike in the numbers that we've been having of COVID cases recently. So we had to just do a, a, a really nice virtual meeting with them and it was good fun. So, good. And we all got to have a really good time. Yay. And not to be a weather person, but <laughs> did you have snow on Christmas? We did. No, we did not, but my husband's parents did. And it looked like a postcard. It was this light dusting of snow. It was so beautiful. Their yard, well, first of all, their yard is perfect at all times. I don't know how they do it. It's constantly gorgeous. But with that little light coating of snow in their little darling house, my, my parents in law are darling, darling people. And everything about them is darling. Their house was just so charming. And it was so Christmas. Yay. Yeah, we had a little impromptu snowball fight with my kids that we had like maybe a quarter an inch maybe like a third of an inch um snowball but well it was a matter of you had to scrape it off the cars and anything like any flat surface so like the top of the recycling bin <laughs> lid adds a whole other dimension and they were perfect snowballs because they were that like wet fluffy snow so they like packed in really well together um but then we ran out of snow very quickly but <laughs> 
at least we got snow on Christmas and it was very interesting because I don't think it snowed in Maryland on Christmas in a very long time. So yeah, not on Christmas. We certainly had our share of huge snows. Yeah. Not on Christmas, not in a very long time. Usually we're like a January, February kind of snowstorm place. Like April. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was just my little that that was the other thing that was exciting for us on Christmas. Nice. Did you guys oh no, you didn't have enough to make even a small snowman? No. No. The ground was still too wet because it's been raining so much this year. So that nothing actually like stuck on the ground. Did that cur well so we I don't think we had any formal fireworks in the area and they're not legal for private ownership or or I guess fire like you can't fire them off in Maryland. But uh we certainly had some people out our way who weren't having any part of that and they fired off their I think they were their own, although we had they there were definitely some big ones out here. Um kind of those cannon ones that mm-hmm. sound big and so we had some celebrations going on in this area. I don't know, did you? Oh yeah. I I think down down my way, we were out in the country area. I think they I- They'll find any reason to sell fireworks. Yeah, I think that's just this area in general. People will find. I know down right up the street, we have a big casino close to where I live. And those people, I'm, I'm like, what is, what are they celebrating today? I mean, I really think they set off fireworks. Like, I don't know, someone finished a steak or something. And they're like, fireworks? <laughs> it's crazy. They'll do it all. The, but they, they, I guess they've calmed that down maybe because of the situation that we're in or maybe was just something that they had done even before that kind of just calmed it down but when they first opened it was like constantly all the time yeah but these didn't come from there they came from you could tell they were from someone else yeah and where you live i believe i fully believe that they do not give a hoot who, who says what about fireworks no fourth of july is definitely especially like there's multiple houses and neighbors of shooting off firework stuff the dogs okay with them or do they get scared my dogs stay inside um but there are people that say you know they're worried about their dogs or somebody's dog ran off or things like that especially after fourth of july so they stay inside but do they get scared Mm, not lately so here's the other thing with noise in our area is that we live um near the water and we are very close to a navy base and Periodically, this Navy base does testing of cannons or <laughs> some explosive whatever. I don't know what they're doing. But we get these alerts every now and then that they're like, oh, you know, we're doing testing from 9 a.m. to like 12, you know, till noon or something. Um, so you might hear crazy noises. So you might hear. And when we first moved into this house. I, I was working all the time and I, and I was, I happened to stay home one day cause I was sick. And all of a sudden there was these huge explosions that were so loud that it was shaking our windows. And I actually called my husband. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I was like, Oh, that's just the Navy base, you know, doing their testing. So it, it sounds like you're in like a war zone cause it's shake the vibrations shake the house. And I think that the animals in this area used to it kind of get used to it. I mean, the, I think the, the repetitive firework thing gets them a little bit, but yeah, that's, we have 
voices like that all the time. I'm glad that you said that because I know we have times when we hear noises that sound like we're at war. There's cannons and stuff going off and and I say, what was that? And I'm glad now maybe I have an explanation for it. Yeah, because you're you're close to other testing zones. Always something going on. Noise, crazy noises. And my pets are just not... I'd have a discussion with one of the cats this weekend. She wouldn't let me pet her, and I had to discuss the word pet with her. You are a pet. You will let me pet you. She wasn't having it, and and New Year's Eve just threw her into a tailspin. She's the skittish Mm. pet in the house, so we just have to let her go and find her own spot to ride it out. But the others are fine. That's good. So today we are going to talk to you about something that I've personally struggled with since the beginning of time. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely worse since the beginning of the whole quarantine. And also since um, I I think I may have shared that I, uh, I had an emergency several years ago. Um, My aorta ruptured while I was on vacation in Italy. And um, it was a, a very narrow escape for me. And it has caused a lot of changes for me personally, both in my body and my level of energy in a lot of different ways for me, so many. And I'm sure as the podcast continues, we'll continue to talk about my personal situation. It certainly influences uh, my relationship with Dr. Elena, how we came to where we are, uh, and it greatly influences how I exercise, how much I exercise, where I exercise, what I do, all those kinds of things. And it influences my, my motivation, my energy level, all those kinds of things. Before the aneurysm rupture, I was quite fit. I was lean. I had a great exercise routine, loved to exercise, did it a lot. And then after the aneurysm rupture, it took a very long time for me to recover from that. Then I had to have a second surgery on the other side of my aorta to prevent a, a second rupture. And those two surgeries really set me back, knocked me back health-wise. And I got back on the train anyway after that. And then I had a very serious back injury. So those three things in rapid succession have kind of booted me back in the in the world of exercise and fitness. But I'm starting to get a team together. And, and that's a topic that we are doing a lot of research on, Dr. Elena and I, in terms of who's on my medical team, who we should add to my medical team. Is there anyone that maybe isn't as uh, savvy that we maybe should remove from our medical team? Like how do we build that lean and mean medical team? And we're going to talk about that on a future podcast. So just be aware that that is a topic that's coming from us. And I think it's one that you're going to be really interested in. And and we want to hear from you also, you know, who's on your medical team? Who do you really get the benefit from? Like, who are you really excited to go see and, and learning from. So tell us, let us know. We'll talk about that again at the end of this episode. If, if you're anything like me, um, I know we have a lot of people out there who are trying to gain weight. We have a lot of people who are trying to lose weight. We have a lot of people who are trying to maintain weight. For me personally, I've kept a lot of fluid from my surgeries have sort of wiped out my lymphatic system um, and also my abdominal core. So for me, it's been a, a real struggle in that way. So having said all of that, here we are in quarantine. And another problem for me is I I live at the bottom, the very bottom of a very steep and very large hill. 
with no sidewalks. There, there's just not space here really for me to go outside and walk around. So the options for me are, I don't want to call them limited, but they're, they're definitely different. So here is what I've been doing during the quarantine. Absolutely nothing for a while. I think maybe we all kind of did that when we were trying to figure out how long is, how long are we going to be affected? What can we really do? How close can we really get to other people? What, you know, what do we do inside versus what we do outside? Those kinds of things. There are trails around here. My husband's not really that big into exercise, probably because he spends a lot of time taking care of me and does a lot of running around uh, in, in that pursuit. So getting him to go out on those trails with me is kind of difficult, but it is an option. And I, it's not an option that I have so far taken advantage of. It's something I still have to drive to. What I've been doing so far is getting on a stationary bike. I've been doing this now only for a couple of weeks and we sort of made it a, a challenge between the two of us. So I'm slowly working back up to trying to get into a fitness routine and I'm doing that by using what I have in my house. I've been using a ball and throwing it against the wall and catching it, throwing it again, catching it, that kind of thing. I've also been, like I said, if he does 10 minutes on the bike, I do 10 minutes on the bike. Then he gets back up on the bike. I get back up on the bike. So we do short bursts of exercise and then we just do them more frequently throughout the day. That has helped me to maintain my energy a little bit better rather than, for example, doing something I would have done before, maybe a half an hour worth of exercise, and then not having any more energy or spoons for the rest of the day. Now I'm just doing short bursts, waiting an hour, do another short burst, wait an hour, do another short burst. And that has helped me say, uh, conserve spoons, if you want to put it that way. So I'm going to pitch it over to Dr. Elena, and now she can tell me why all of this is probably not the best way for me to get back into exercise after a period of being out of it, uh, and you all can can benefit from what I should actually be doing, and this will be my weekly session with Dr. Elena. <laughs> actually, I mean, I'm very proud of you. You've taken everything that we've talked about and kind of applied it. When I develop a home exercise program for people, it's very specific to their their needs. You know, when you're looking for just generalized activity and things like that, Going at your, at the right pace and staying moving is, and consistency is the key. Um, it doesn't have to be that now we have these New Year's resolutions and all of a sudden let's do these 45 minute hour workouts of like all the crazy videos and anything you can find out online. It's more just finding something that fits for you that you can do consistently, even if it's five minutes, three times a week, two minutes every single day. It's really just making sure that you are moving and doing something versus nothing at all. And I love that you're using stuff that's around the house. I mean, people do not need a full-on gym and these, I don't know if you've seen them. They're really, really cool looking, but these fancy like integrated mirrors that are like workout mirrors that are like those like AI things. They're really cool looking, but they're like wicked expensive and not necessary. You know, I mean, I have gone into people's homes and helped them develop exercise programs with very limited equipment. You can do this with body weight and, and finding ways to incorporate it throughout your day. I mean, I tell people all the time, especially with my EDS people, is that you want to trick your body into working without thinking it's 
actually exercising. Something as simple as putting a foam pad in. Now, I will, before I start going into my little tips and tricks, by the way, always make sure that you check with the doctor, talk to somebody about what you are supposed to be doing and what you need to be doing. These are just tips and tricks. These are not specific medical advice to anyone's specific you know, situation. So if you have specific questions, feel free to contact us. But we just will need a little bit more information to make sure it's safe for you. But safety is key. So now that I've got my little disclaimer out of the way. So with something as simple as putting a foam pad on their desk chair. And that foam pad adds a little bit of instability. So it actually makes you engage your core. And that's where sometimes those big TheraBall chairs... People, you see those because it makes you use your postural muscles to hold you upright over a long period of time. But all you feel is I'm getting my work done. I'm just sitting on this ball. Sit stand desks. Same thing is that you have these sit stand desks where you can integrate standing for a period of time, especially I've been talking about it a lot with people that have been working from home now about getting this to kind of be something that they integrate into their home and having that sit-stand desk. But then also that foam pad that you use in your chair to make you engage yourself, you can actually add the foam pad to stand on to engage your balance, engage your core and things like that. So that's so interesting that you would mention that. I, I, I never talked to you about this, but I do have a foam pad on my chair that I'm using right this very minute. I had no idea I was doing so much for myself with you. Look at you. And uh, I, I can tell you, I do really like it. I've got one that has a little cutout for the tailbone. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it very comfy. Uh, I like it a lot. So I had no idea how I was building my core. But I did also get anti-fatigue mats for the kitchen, uh, which has helped me. I, I was having a very hard time even being able to cook dinner or cook a, a meal. So my husband has been graciously doing a lot of that on our behalf. And although he has been stalwart about doing it, he's not a chef. <laughs> and so I think that has also been part of, of the issue that we've been facing together is a lot of what he prepares for us has maybe it, maybe it's not as raw food or not as vegetable oriented or not as balanced as something that I might cook. It's perhaps maybe a little more frozen, a little more processed, a little more, just more processed and, and uh, frozen driven than the things that I would cook. So I'm, I'm very glad to have found anti-fatigue mats and to find out that they're working my core is great. Helping and it's out very subtle. So it's not, you know, it's not like somebody going out and, and I don't recommend this anyway, but it's not like somebody going out and doing a hundred crunches or anything crazy. Sure. I, I wouldn't recommend that because you can get more bang from your buck by doing specific exercises geared to what you need in the right way versus just kind of taking a whole bunch of stuff and throwing it at a dartboard and hoping something sticks. So You know, my biggest recommendation is that for anybody that's just getting into exercising or getting into a routine, find things that one, you like to do. Because if you hate it, you're not going to do it. Or you're going to hate it. Yeah, you're going to hate it and you're going to, you're just going to kind of get through it and not really focus on why you're doing it or how you're doing it. So find things that you like to do. You know, I always tell some of my EDS people, like, tell me what you like to do because that's what you want to spend your energy on let me turn that into an exercise. Let me turn that into something that you can actually engage your muscles and activate them in a way that's being productive without you actually thinking about it because you like doing it. So you'll end up doing it more. 
And I, I, I know, Dr. Elena, you've shared with me uh, someone that you met. I know we have a lot of parents who have children who have either Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or, or there may be other illnesses or chronic illnesses that fall into the same situation where a stability is a key component and children, especially, I know that you've spoken about this. You need to find a way to help them engage with physical activity that they don't perceive as necessarily a chore, right? So I think you shared a situation like that. You can probably talk more about it and probably uh, decide, you know, I, I know you have raised that you can speak to that. So let me know. Sure. Yeah. I think the the situation that you're talking about is that um, I had a four-year-old patient who had EDS um, and the parents had just recently found out that the their daughter had EDS. She was constantly getting hurt at school. There was, you know, a lot of concern about her safety, making sure that she wasn't getting injured because she was trying to play and engage with her peers, which is vitally important to develop social skills and all of these other things. So they wanted to make sure that she could do that in a way that was safe, that she wouldn't keep getting hurt. So when I was talking to her, I was asking her what she liked to do. And one of her big things was she liked to play dress up. So I told her mom, and after assessing kind of what she had going on, I told her mom, I'm like, you know what, for ankle stability and control, have her pretend she's wearing high heels and then walk around on her toes like she's wearing high heels. So then you get this toe walking, not a toe walker, which is totally different than toe walking, but she's building her ankle stability. She's not letting her ankles roll out, that kind of stuff. So I taught the mom how to pay attention to those little cues on making sure that she was doing it correctly. The other thing that we did was we talked about getting like butcher paper, um, if anybody, or craft paper or whatever, you know, the big rolls, like the big brown paper. I always think of it as crab paper, like from Maryland. <laughs> um, yeah. You put it on the table. So the big craft paper, I told the mom, okay, have her get her feet wet and then have her walk on the craft paper. And then you can see where her feet look like, you know, how her gait looks, you know, is she hitting right? Are her toes turned in? Are they turned out? And if they look a little funky, then have draw some lines, have some patterns, teach her, you know, how to stabilize because that's now engaging some hip rotators um, and making sure everything is holding stable and neutral, training her that's what's supposed to happen versus any kind of toe-in positioning where she could trip over her feet or she's crossing or any of that stuff. So these were like little games and little things to kind of come up with. So in that way, it didn't feel like exercise for the for a four-year-old. It just felt like she was just playing something with her parents. I think you also told me you had a a toddler maybe that was engaging and you, you were asking him to do a particular thing, but he thought it was funny. So oh, yeah. was, <laughs> and ended up getting uh, core exercise and making everybody laugh. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and especially with the smaller, the smaller guys, so cute. So they don't follow directions. Well. <laughs> right. Anyway, so any kind of regimented exercise is not going to work. I can't sit there and tell a two-year-old like, you need to stand up straight and stick your butt under 10 times. It doesn't work that way. So we were playing this game and the little guy that we're talking about, he kind of leans forward and has really poor trunk control. So for him to engage his postural muscles and tuck his butt in, he was playing this game where I would try and fix his foot. So he'd stand on it and then he would push up and tuck his butt and fly backwards. And then I would have to catch him. 
he thought it was hilarious. So we did that probably about 30 times before I got tired before he did. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, it's interesting how when we do things that we do like, we'll wear ourselves out having a good time. I know I, for one, I love to dance and I love to tap my toes to music or even just sit in my chair and bop to music. Um, and if I've got the energy, I love to stand up and just let loose. Right. Probably look ridiculous to me, but I love doing it. And I'll wear myself absolutely flat doing yeah. that. And there are many other kinds of exercise that I, when I start to get tired, I'm not doing that anymore. Right. <laughs> that's gonna, what, and that's where it's, it's really important to really kind of find that thing that you like to do and then build off of that. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Don't try to come up with something that's going to be this super regimented 10 reps of whatever kind of exercise plan. Find something that you already like to do. I have people that really like to go bicycling. I have people that really like swimming. I have people that really like yoga. I like people that like Tai Chi, Pilates. I mean, those are classes and things like that, but it doesn't have to be where you have to go somewhere. You can always find little short routines or different things to kind of supplement. But again, anytime you start something new, always make sure you kind of have some input from somebody who knows what they're doing with it. So then that way, again, it's it's more about the safety thing. So you don't end up hurting yourself. So yeah, and I think one of the things that I benefit from greatly in my quest to for me, it stopped being a body shaper, I guess, if you, if you want to say that quite a while ago, probably when the aneurysm ruptured, I just can't worry about that anymore. For me, it is a, a health. I want to be able to exercise for my health now at this point in my life. And I, I struggle with my doctors to get them to give me some guidance on, you know, I've, I've got this aorta that has proven to be unpredictable and my blood pressure played a big factor because uh, for the listeners, I, I climbed a Duomo in Florence just before my aorta ruptured. And the theory is that perhaps when I climbed the Duomo, my blood pressure, which was not typically high, became high from climbing the, the Duomo, which is 600 or I don't know. It's a lot of steps and they go straight up. They're very steep. And once you start up the steps there are people right behind you it's a popular tourist and it, it, it's a beautiful thing to see and a lot of people walk through it and so once you start up it there are people there's sort of a crush of people right behind you you can't really turn around and come back down there's nowhere to go but up so being the person that I am I just kept going up and kept going up and I was fine for the rest of that day but not the day following so I think for me, I, I'm in constant anxiety, maybe might be the word. I, I never was an anxious person before, but now I have this constant vigilance in terms of how much I'm doing and is it too much? Is it not enough? Am I pushing myself? Because I don't want to do that. But then there's this piece of me that does want to do that. You know, we're constantly told when we're exercising, not necessarily people with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, but in society, we're told push, push, push. When you're exercising, you've got to push, you've got to keep pushing. You've got to, you got to sweat. You've got to get your heart rate up. Those are terrifying words. Mm -hmm. 
frankly. When I hear you got to get your heart rate up, I, I start to get very anxious now. Before, I was taking spin classes. I was getting that heart rate up. I was sweating. I was working out. I wasn't, I wasn't worried about that. But now, when I hear that kind of talk from doctors, I had one not too long ago that told me we should all run. Now, this is a doctor. I don't want to give him away, but this is a doctor that knows I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and has been very close to the Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome itself. He's perfectly aware of everything that's going on with me and recommended running. Now, I know (laughs) the shadow of a doubt that I should not be running. It's just, I know that is not good advice. He's a great doctor. That is not sage advice. Mm -hmm. I know that. Not just from a vascular perspective, but also from a joint perspective, from a foot perspective. There's all kinds of reasons for me personally why I should not run. Now, other people with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, and listen, you know, like I said before, I had the aneurysm rupture. I ran. I did other things that maybe I shouldn't have. I don't know. But now running is not an option and I struggle to get consensus or even something close to consensus from doctors in general about how much can I do? How much should I do? What should I be doing? What will keep my heart healthy? What will keep my brain healthy? I need that kind of feedback and I I struggle to get that. Yeah. And I think it's hard because again, you know, it's a matter of priority too, because every day is very different for, for EDS. And and so your priority changes every day. So some days it's going to be more brain oriented because you're having a brain fog. So you want to stimulate things that'll get you going and you don't want to burn your energy out by trying to do everything that needs to be done. I come back to the basic philosophy of movement is key. Something where you're moving and it's consistent. And you can build off of that. It can be a progression. And a lot of times, and I know I'm, I'm guilty of this, is that I see the end game and that's where I want to start. And that's not how it works. <laughs> so you got to start at the beginning and work your way to the end game. And there's going to be a lot of different steps and a lot of back and forth until you get to the end game. You can't just start at the end game. So even if it's just a matter of finding out what your body can tolerate, whether it be one minute every hour, one minute, two times a day, five minutes every other day, whatever it is, find what's comfortable for you and something that can be easily integrated into what's already happening in your daily routine, in your lifestyle. You have a pet and you let them outside to go to the bathroom. I'm like thinking of dogs. If you let the dogs to go outside, some people have to take them for a walk. So just take them for a short walk and then build your way up. Or if you're like me and you have a yard with a fence, you just let your dogs out. Well, then you walk outside and you kind of do a lap around the house or stand on one foot for five minutes until the dogs come back and they said, okay, I'm ready to go back inside. Like things that you can kind of integrate in. And again, everybody has different lifestyles, different situations. So you can get creative with it and go with the flow. And as far as kind of anything, what you're supposed to do and what's healthy to do or what you need to do, I would, again, that to me is more end game talk. That's like, okay, where do I stop going any farther? And I, you got to start somewhere because you're not going to start at that end game. So your body's going to let you know where it needs to be. You'll notice the fatigue. You'll notice the... <laughs> and that will it. Because if that were true, I would we'll never have ruptured that annual... <laughs> Will it though? Will it? I don't think. 
mine won't. I can tell you that my body is not cooperative in that way. But I do agree. I will say this. I remember a quote that helped me when I was first starting to get back into fitness and trying to do exercise workout after the aneurysm rupture and the second surgery. I heard a quote that was, that said something along the lines of, I'm probably going to butcher it, but it was something along the lines of no matter how fast you're going or how slow you're going, you're still lapping everyone who's sitting on the couch. There you go. So whatever you're doing, whatever movement you're taking part in, you're still going, you're still doing more than everybody who's not doing that. And you're still doing more than you were when you were sitting down on the couch. And that brings me a lot of uh, fulfillment. It, It makes me feel like I am productive. I'm doing something for myself. I'm doing something that is beneficial to my health just by being not on my couch. Right. So, I'm in a wheelchair and I'm wheeling, whether I'm on my cane and I'm just shuffling around, whether I am don't have that devices and I'm just, you know, trucking it around. Or if I back in the day when I could and I was running around or I was playing volleyball or I was uh, I had a membership for a while to a gym and I did water jogging. Loved that. Really would like to get back to that. By the way, for me, that was a particularly health, uh, healthy and easy way. For me, I have problems with my temperature. I have problems managing my, I guess my body has problems regulating temperature. So I get hot very easily when I work out, especially if I'm working out outside and it's already hot. And then I have POTS problems and we'll talk about all the, all of, we'll talk about all of my problems. This is going to be a very long running podcast because there are a lot of problems <laughs> to discuss, but I have all these issues when I get out in the warm weather and it prevents a lot of a lot of things that I'd love to be able to do. And I have problems when I get on the cold weather and the same. Anyway, we'll talk all about that stuff. But I did find that jogging in the water was something that I could do that kept me cool. Mm-hmm. It kept me buoyant, kept me moving. It Less impact on your joints too. Joints free of pain. I just, I love doing that. So if I could get back into that, the problem for me is there are no pools in my immediate area. So I, I struggle really to find something that I truly love to do. Yeah. And maybe that's something that we talk about is like how to find these resources that everybody's looking for and the right resources. I agree. I think that would be something that would be very beneficial for our listeners. I think especially the more rural you start to get, the fewer and fewer of those sorts of resources we start to see. I have lived in some very rural areas I am from the Midwest. I'm from a very small town. And we didn't always have things like that that were close. In some situations, ironically, it was it was easier to find those resources in a small rural town than or in, in a small Midwest town than it was than it is here close to DC. So it can definitely vary by where you are, but we should definitely talk about that. And I do have some ideas for for upcoming episodes to discuss those kinds of things. I, I also, some of, some of my tricks, tips and tricks, since we were kind of doing a tips and tricks situation, I know that when I was first getting back into the swing of things after the aneurysm rupture, uh, I would take advantage of all those sort of, if you, if you, I always thought of them as sort of like deadwood times. So the times when you're waiting for things and you're like, 
just standing there doing nothing. Maybe for those of you who are old enough to remember times before everyone had their nose in their cell phone, if you imagine if I did not have a cell phone here, I would be out of my mind with boredom right now. And I used those moments to just move. So if I was standing in a line, for example, I didn't just stand in the line. I fidgeted. I'd do some like marching in place or I would do some, you know, kind of arm raises or something. And did I look silly? Probably. Do I care? Not at all. Hmm. No, I look silly most of the time anyway. So it really just didn't matter that much to me. Most of the time, I'm not going to see those people again anyway. But one of the times that I took advantage of was microwave time. There you so go. In the microwave for two or three minutes, I'm not going to just wait. I'm going to do something for myself with that time. I'm going to use those two or three minutes to march in place. I'm going to use those two or three minutes to hold a personal dance party. Whatever the thing is, I'm going to move during those two to three minutes. And I know it's going to be two to three minutes. It's not going to be 10 minutes. It's not going to be 15 minutes. I'm not going to wear myself out because it's just microwave time. And it helps me burst out my energy and spend it even when I can't, even when my mind is sort of trained from childhood to keep pushing, to keep moving. And, and I don't know if this is something that a lot of our listeners can relate to because I'm certainly not everybody with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome or everybody with a chronic illness. But for me, I have the tendency to overdo mm-hmm. instead of underdo. So it helped me regulate and bring myself back to where I needed to be rather than getting on that bike and pushing through and going for 30 minutes or going for 45 minutes. Or I had a workout partner who was far more advanced than I was. If I worked out with her, I tried to keep up and I've been trying to keep up since I was little. This probably is something that a lot of our listeners can relate to. If you've had a body that's always had to work a little harder to keep up with everybody around you, you're constantly working, working harder, harder, even when you're not cognizant of it, even when you're not aware. So I I found myself in that position and I recognized it after the aneurysm rupture, how hard I pushed my, my body. And you know, my, my mind is, is way over here thinking we need to be doing that. We need to be doing so much more. And my body is way on the other side of the spectrum going, yeah, you know what? I'm not built for that. Mm -hmm. So I had to find the spot where my mind and my body could meet. And for me, having that check of, say, a microwave, for example, to say, you're going to work out for three minutes. That's all you're going to do, period. It's been very helpful for me. I think that can be the part that's very overwhelming for people is that trying to navigate through how to get to that end game with little steps, how to break it down, how to stop themselves because they still have to consider everything else that's going on in their life. Their life is not just that one workout. They have to, you know, branch out and make sure that they're doing everything. So that can take some time and coaching, talking to people that understand how to break it down for you, um, having conversations about how to build up that exercise program in a safe, again, and I'm, I'm big on safety because I don't want anybody to do anything that's going to get them hurt, but things that are safe for you and, and are easily integrated because it doesn't do any good if you do it one day and then never do it again. <laughs> so Otherwise, finding is not a pattern make. Right. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on is that kind of how you were saying that getting up and doing something for that one minute is still better than zero. For one minute. Yeah. So one of the, 
my husband took a, a course through his work that was about tactical exercise and things like that. And I can't remember the name of the program, but they had a quote that I really, really liked. And I kind of integrate that into kind of my practice is that if there's a progress by 1% every day, you're making progress. Yep. So even if it's just in that 1%, you're looking at, and this can be applied to, to anything, exercise, diet, lifestyle changes, business goals, personal goals, anything. And again, we're talking about New Year's resolutions and, and goals for the new year. Any of those goals can be broken down. If you're making a 1% effort or 1% change every day, you're making progress. So it doesn't have to be that you make 80% progress in day one. You don't have to set up this super regimented plan. You don't have to set up full goal checklist to get to that end game. It can be just five minutes of your mental capacity while you're thinking about how do I want to achieve this? Visualizing where you want to go. That's still 1% better than you did the day before. So now granted, you still have to put it into practice. Like can't all visualize our way. I'm just going to speak about how I'm going (laughs) to myself as a seven foot Swedish model. And then by what, if I do 1% every day, then eventually should be a seven Swedish model, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'll take 99% of being a Swedish model. I'll take that too. I'll be a six foot nine Swedish model. It'll be great. It's fine. Yeah. You know, we don't want to settle, but you know, it's okay. (laughs) Close enough. Yeah. But again, it's still that 1% change. So even if it's, you know, when you think about it, if if you implement the microwave timer strategy twice in one day or even once in a day, it's still something more than what you were doing before. So we could go on and on about this and we could kind of navigate it. And there's a million different ways to implement this. And, and again, that's because there's a million different ways that people present. So you want to make sure that figure out a way that works for you. And again, if you need help, if you want some discussion, um, it could be something that we could look into if we start getting some feedback and some emails and questions, we could kind of answer those questions on a future podcast. Definitely. Uh, I, I think kind of my, if you want to say last word on this particular episode of this topic, which like you said, I I think we could have several topics just on fitness exercise, how to get yourself there. And maybe we will, maybe that's to come if if everybody's interested in hearing about, hearing more, talking more about this, getting answers to their specific situations or getting, you know, feedback, talking to us about it. I think my biggest struggle with it has been maybe mental and emotional, having doctors tell me, you really have to push yourself. You really need to do this. You really need to do that. And then I I know internally, if I push myself, I, I know what's going to happen. I feel like a ticking time bomb and you know, pushing myself, I feel like I will erupt. I explain that to my doctors. I explain all kinds of things to my doctors and some listen uh, Dr. Elena has been very good about listening to this kind of thing. I think she's sort of built for listening to this kind of thing. She's she's built up her practice to just sort of organically take these kinds of things into account. But I, when I'm talking to other doctors, um, particularly doctors who are c- concerned about my vasculature, they want to see exercise. They want to see progress. And as 
a lot of us can be, they want to see it now, today. And not certainly not all of my vascular doctors or all my doctors in general are like that. And I have to, sometimes I just ditch the doctor. If the doctor's not that important in my, in my team of care, there are times, and I have done this, where I'll just walk away from that doctor and choose a different one. But if that doctor is critical to my care team and they have something absolutely unique to, to offer, and I do have doctors like this, but they also are, uh, they were brought up in a particular way of thinking you must fit into this mold in order to be healthy. You have to have, you know, this thing going on, that thing going on. You you have to, you know, uh, work out this frequently. You have to do it this many times a week. You have to do it for this long. If they are still critical to my plan of care, I do stick with them, but I am always about giving that feedback to a doctor, whether they take it or not, because the more they hear it, the less they make people feel this way. And to be honest with you, as Elena has said many, many times, it is a personal and individualized thing. And while as a a guideline, maybe 45 minutes of exercise three times a week might be great for people who are just, you know, walking in off the street or whatever, it is not right for me. And I know that. And I stand my ground with my doctor and I tell him these things, whether or not he's going to listen to me, I'm not going to change that because I don't want the experience that I had before. I don't want it again. Right. And I mean, that's very understandable. You know, I think that there there's medical guidelines on how to provide medical advice. I mean, we've seen that all year around, like <laughs> from the World Health Organization and all of these different things. So they provide guidelines that are generalized. It's a one size fits most. Like the pain scale. Right. But it is not necessarily applicable to you. And it's also, that's also an end game snapshot. They want you to get to that point. It doesn't mean that that's where you start. Right. So those guidelines and those things that, that doctors are, are kind of working off of, that it's kind of just their... I don't know. I always say that there's like, we have like little taglines and little phrases that we constantly use all the time. So I think that when you have that phrase that you use all the time and that advice that you give all the time, it's very generalized. And so it needs to be curved a little to be more specific. And I I think it's completely okay to say that to a doctor. A lot of people are afraid to say that to to a doctor, but I've certainly seen in a lot of our support groups that we have a lot of very strong and smart people who have specifically, I, I'm in the groups with people who have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I'm in some groups of other people who have chronic illness. I've seen, I've, I've been at a lot of different conferences with people who have just general disabilities in the disability community. We have a lot to say, and I've certainly met a lot of people who have been tactful and diplomatic with their doctors and have changed some minds. So it can be done. And doing it with diplomacy, doing it with tact is the way to change minds and the way to to get your doctors to listen. We're definitely going to talk more about how you can talk to your doctor. It's something that we hear a lot about. I hear a lot about for sure. It's in our future topic pool. (laughs) But we also want to hear from you. What are you interested in hearing about? We have thousands of topics that we think you're interested in hearing about. 
But we don't know unless you tell us. So we want to hear from you, dazzledoctor at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Both are Dazzle Doctor. Uh, you used to be able to find us on Twitter, but apparently our Twitter account, which had absolutely nothing in it at the moment, did something very naughty and has gotten itself banned. And I think that happened in all, all of the election hoopla that happened on Twitter where everybody was getting themselves banned left, right, and center. So I'm working on that, but soon you'll be able to find us on Twitter. And guess what? Now we are on most of the podcast platforms. So pick your favorite, find us there. And if you can't find us there, it's because we're working on it. But soon we will be on all of your favorite podcast platforms. If you can't find us on your favorite, tell us what it is and I'll get us there. There you go. We're sure looking forward to hearing from you. You will be able to find the links that we just mentioned in our notes at the bottom of the podcast. And we look forward to hearing from you and what you want to hear about, what you want to talk about, whether you love us, whether you hate us. Believe me, I can take it. I've heard worse. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we're sure glad that you joined us today. Dr. Elena, anything you want to add? Nope. We just appreciate anybody that's listening and hope we're giving you some sound advice. Absolutely. Happy New Year. Enjoy your 2021. May it be healthy and prosperous and 1% better. Every day. That's right. All right, guys. Bye-bye. See you later.